Powered by Rev Media and in partnership with TSN, this is Season 5. It is Episode 2 of the Rain Drakes Hockey Podcast, and it is presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. Just rolling through the preseason. Right? It's Friday as we're taping this Episode 2, Season 5 of Rain Drakes. We've got the Leafs and the Canadians tonight on TSN. Likewise, back-to-back Friday, Saturday. Um but you know what? It's 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 also good to hang around a little bit. So how about this one? So on Wednesday, I don't think you participated, historically speaking, here. TSN throws this big employee get together. Yeah, you know, it's a nice thing. They've got a barbecue yeah. out there, they've oh, got a nice. ball hockey tournament, a soccer tournament. It's kind of a big deal. I'm not gonna lie. So, you know, just in the spirit of uh of being a good team guy, I agree to participate. No, no, hold on, back up. I agree to show up, to make an appearance like a month or so ago. I get there on Wednesday. I'm on a team. I, I, I'm expected well, to what play. Well, what, th- what did you think you were going to do? Go there and wave from a balcony or something? I was going to be Scotty Bowman, Toe Blake. I was going to be the coach. Or I was okay, going to be yeah. the, the, the quote-unquote celebrity referee. But that turned out to be Gino Retta because Gino was perfectly suited. <laughs> Yes, yes. For, the, for the the nose and the glasses and all of that routine, right? So I get there. How about this team? Which, by the way, ended up winning the ball hockey championship. Okay. Uh, I didn't stay for the whole thing because I just – I Holly's away, so I had to get back and look after the dog, and I had some other stuff going on. So I played a couple of games. So it was me, Frankie Corrado, Cheryl Pounder, James Duthie, Sean Puffy Cameron, uh, Alex Lepizero is a terrific little goalie. Uh, Troy White. All, I mean, it was it was a pretty stacked yeah. team, right? Um, so play the first game. Not gonna lie, three one win. I was plus two with a couple of apples. Um, second game, I don't know. We won that one handily. I did not play soccer, but I have never been more stiff. And I <laughs> I, I I'm giving myself a bit of credit because I've You're been right. trying. You know, I'm, I've been walking about 45 minutes a day, doing, you know, three, four kilometers a day with Tiny, and it's been great. And then you kind of push it a little bit. No and good. You're no good. <laughs> and I'm worse today than I was yesterday. Which yes. Okay. So here's the sense. question. Here's the question. <laughs> is, it your, is it your back or your no. sides that are killing you? It's, it's my, my thighs, my quads. Oh. Yeah. And I think it was the stopping the starting, right? Like, you know, you're playing on asphalt. And you're do, do, you know who, do you know who I can't <laughs> see being of much help on that team? Who's that? Well, just think of it as you're na- naming it. Duffy. James Duffy? Uh, you know, he scored a beauty, though. Like a scene no, no, knife. No, but, yeah. but, I mean, like, there, there's not a lot of grind there. Yeah. He's you know, actually, like, I will, I'm going to defend him, Ray. Nice, you know, really? I mean, you've, You've golfed with him. He oh, yeah. his his level of compete is pretty high. And okay, this is what threw me off. Growing up in Saskatchewan, I love soccer. I mean, clearly you, you you're a big soccer family. I yeah. did not play the soccer games mostly because I knew that I just couldn't do it. I, there was no way. Right. But I, right. growing up in Saskatchewan, soccer was a warm up sport. That's what you did to warm up, and that okay. was the extent of it. Duffy is a southpaw soccer player, and it was weird seeing him yep. tee it up with that left leg, but he's yep. actually not too bad. Yep. Not I, too I bad. am. I'm assuming. I'm assuming Frankie's probably pretty good at soccer. 
Uh, yeah, Frankie was good. And you yeah. know, what is he, 6'1", six, 6'2"? Six, and the other know. thing is, he's yeah. also 25 years younger than everybody else, too. So <laughs> Big things still spent. move. Yeah, well, and move. This, would, <laughs> this won't even shock you a little bit because I can see Cammy in the same sort of scenario here. Nope. Cheryl Pounder battles. She used to compete. Oh, yeah. She's there's some it. hacking. There's some slashing. You know, you stick lift her out there, and you're getting one. Like, it's – there's a level of intensity. So, any congratulations to the TSN Hockey Group because they won. They probably won because I wasn't playing. and But Frankie had to bail, too. So did Cheryl. So, they they they, they, they got it out. So, it was a good Good. Start. Sounds like a good one. Now, how was your week? Pretty good? Uh, yeah, we were underwater for most of it. Um, yeah. We got our one rain, one blast of rain here, our first one. But uh, today's a big day because it's my uh, last round of golf before the season. So, I um, I went. Uh, I got a new. I got a new putter. I got. I went to a a putting okay. uh, clinic, and they yep. um, they look at all your, you know, the, your putter on the screen and through the analytics and. Yeah. Not shocking, Underrated because, exercise, right? Underrated. Yeah. I went through something similar uh, last year. Uh, I, I'm a, above horrific as a putter, but not much. And so yeah, not surprisingly too. that that <laughs> the monitor was like, it looked like somebody having a heart attack. It was like going up and down. <laughs> My ball was bouncing all over the place. And so now I got a new putter. I got it angled in. And so today it's going to be, it's a, I, I think it's going to be a, a great send off of golf, either that, or it's just going to be a send off. Cause this is it. I got to get to work. You know, we're fortunate because, you know, we have great relationships with all sorts of sport manufacturers, mm -hmm. right? Like foot yep. has been tremendous with us and sending yep. us, you know, golf shirts and, and shoes and, and all of that stuff. I had no idea how much a good putter costs until I, you know, when I went through the process yeah. and I'm like, you know what, Tyler's yeah. been great to me. I'm going to buy a putter here. You know, that I'm going to get off my wallet. <laughs> How'd that go? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know what, it's, it's fantastic Scotty Cameron. So I'm, I'm not going to complain yeah. about it in the say, as, picture, but as they say, though, it's, uh, more often than not, it's the carpenter, not the tool, man. Oh, yes. Uh, I've gone through so many different grip changes. Now I've settled in on the one finger claw. I don't know what you call that, but went through the lower Desperate is what you call yeah, it. That's what Desperate. you call it. That's exactly right. All right, we've got some news to chew on, uh, and that's not surprising as, again, you wade through the, the preseason. And we'll get to Tampa Bay right off the top of, of headlines because that's the big story. Uh, our Tim Hortons headlines, by the way, Ray. Thrilled to welcome Tim Hortons to the podcast. In Canada, Tim's NHL trading cards are back with an all-new set, so go get ready to unpack the thrill and score your favorite hockey stars. Grab them before they're gone, starting early next week, October 2nd, and of course, as always, only at Tim's. Andre Vasilevsky had back surgery. Mm -hmm. So he's out a minimum. Well, they're saying eight to 10 weeks. I'm going to call it a minimum of two months. No cap space. Very tough decision. Julian Breezeball, the general manager of the Lightning, in response comes out and says, well, we've got four or five preseason games here. So we're going to get our guys some reps. And hopefully, um, you know, one of them kind of takes the reins here and, and we're able to work with what we've got. Is that even a viable option or... 
does it make more sense to you that they make a trade or they go to the market and they pick up, sign Yarrow Halak as an experienced goalie? Who else is out there? Brian Elliott perhaps comes to mind. I mean, this is a problem, isn't it? A big, big problem when you invest the money that they have, deservedly so to Andre Vasilevsky. Mm. And now all of a sudden you're in a tough, tight division, a tough, tight conference, and your superstar isn't available for the first two months of the start of the regular season. It is inconceivable and impossible to think that they're going to get through the first two months of the year with the collection of guys they have left behind Vasilevsky. And, um, you know, they got Matt Tompkins who played overseas and played on the Canadian Olympic team. Uh, Jonas Johansson, who's bounced around waivers for a little bit, man, like you might get a few good games here and there, but there's a reason that those guys have not been able to, you know, have a, you know, have a steady foot in the NHL at this point. And um, I, I think they're, Honestly, I think their best option is to wait to the end of, of the camp mm-hmm. and look uh, in that time at guys that pop up on waivers. Yeah. Um, somebody whose contract you can bury in the minors when eventually Vasilevsky returns. Now, you can say you can use the cap space, but then you got to do something with it when Vasilevsky returns. I mean, he's the best goalie in the game. Yeah. And to try and replace him uh, is really, it, it's really not going to work for Tampa. This is a tough one, man. Like this, you're not even yeah. out of the gate. We've seen what attrition and the salary cap has done to their team over the last couple of years. And now you take your, you know, your best player and, and pull them out of the lineup. Catches up to you though, doesn't it, man? Yep. That's just the evolution and how the cycle turns with all these top yep. contending teams. Uh, I'm going to throw a curveball at you right out of the gate here because we do mm-hmm. have Breaking news, compliments of the Ottawa Senators this morning, and really will come as no surprise. But I know that you know this individual very, very well. Steve Stales just named president of hockey operations for the Ottawa Senators. And great relationship, deep history with Michael Anlauer, who's just been announced as owner of the Ottawa Senators, dates through the Hamilton Bulldogs, the Ontario Hockey League. But uh, I know, you know, people are going to look at this, Ray, and they're going to say, okay, well, now the clock is ticking on Pierre Dorian. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. I mean, Dorian's had mm-hmm. a good run, but I don't think that that Steve Steos is going in there as a hired henchman. He's going in there uh, as a conduit for Michael Andlauer and ownership to get a look at the work of Pierre Dorian and management and the coaching staff headed by DJ Smith. I, I, I mean, predictable, yes, but I think that this is an excellent hire by Ann Lauer. What do you think? Well, I, I mean, I'm an original thrasher, Steve Steos. Um, <laughs> uh, he's come a long way, uh, especially when he comes to camp and he's a defenseman and I look up on opening night and he's my right winger. And I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> he'd never played wing before, and now he's a winger. <laughs> yeah. And so, a- anyway, um, he's had a long business history with Ann Lauer. Uh, and when I say business, it wasn't just that he was the manager in Hamilton. It was uh, in the Ontario Hockey League. It was the the business side. It was putting together uh, how the Billet families are, you know, are selected and the players that go in there. It's the marketing. It's really was the president and the general manager. And so the, the connection to the business side, I think is pretty important here. Um, there will be some uncertainty that 
that sits there for sure because the senators are, you know, they've been through the mud here while they've been collecting these young players. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like they're just on the cusp of something pretty good. And are you going to go in and make a bunch of changes? Probably not. But it's Steos' job now to evaluate everything that is underneath the president's seat. Mm-hmm. And and that would include management and trainers and how they travel. And well, there, there's not a an area he wouldn't um, dig into. And so it's, uh, it's not surprising at all. Um, the next question becomes with, you know, Steos who had started to work in Edmonton uh, last year and with Jeff Jackson going in there and Ken Holland on the last year of his contract, mm-hmm. there was a lot of thought that Steos would be the next general manager. Now there's got to be some internal pivot in Edmonton, but that comes under Jeff Jackson's purvey. And so, uh, it's pretty interesting. One domino mm. moves and, and a whole bunch of other things move with it. Yeah, a lot of work getting done in mm. Ottawa. You know, Ann Lauer brings Cyril Leader back into the mix, a very yeah. popular executive in Ottawa. So, you know, we'll see now. Obviously, the next uh, the, the the next shoe to drop is is getting Shane Pinto back in the mix. And I expect yeah. that that's going to happen in the very near future. They need him. And they get him in that three hole, and they're, they're pretty solid to start the season, at least up the middle mm-hmm. of the ice. Speaking of young players, right, and former players who are now executives, how about the negotiations between Pat Verbeek, the general manager of the Anaheim Ducks, with Pat Brisson, who represents Trevor Zegras, and Dave Gagne, who represents Jamie Drysdale. I mean, these negotiations, to be polite, are in the mud. That's that's mm. where they're at. Um, frustration on all sides here. All sides, no doubt about that. And I get it. I mean, you don't want to throw boatloads of money in term at second contracts, regardless of how dynamic you might be in mm. Trevor's egress. And, you know, Drysdale was hurt through much of last season. There's an undercurrent and a side story there that maybe he was ready to come back last year and he didn't come back or they wouldn't allow him to come back, which then minimized the number of games. So now he doesn't have arb rights and Anaheim has him has oh, his boy. rights for the next two years. I mean, that's tough yeah. business. If, if that's the case, that's, that's tough business. But where I disconnect and fight me on this, if you want, Ray, you know, Verbeek had no trouble throwing out money to – veteran guys you know Gudis. what did alex corn get like a four-year deal it's six, mm. six plus million per year and right. you know you're you're playing hardball with at least one of the two but i'm going to say two young players that we're putting bums in the seats in a market that yeah it's been a winning market historically but they need those flashy young players in the lineup and both guys are dug in saying no we're not doing it so we'll see well, if uh, if anyone, I don't know why they would, had any question about Pat Verbeek's um, battle level for Ooh, just boy. about anything, uh, I roomed with Pat a little bit. Um, and uh, so we used to have one remote control oh, in the room. And so he always liked to watch these ridiculous hunting and fishing shows and there was one tv and there was no netflix or anything so what am i gonna do i don't hunt nor fish and so we battle for the remote i never won because it was impossible that guy is 
he just will not lose. So now he's an executive and, you know, he, he worked at the hand at the right shoulder of Steve Eiserman for a long time. Yeah. And you know, there's no freebies with Steve either. And so they've, they've got their, you know, their master plan, like every team does. And right now it, it is part of it is to, they're not going to bend on a, on term nor money with, with Zegras and Drysdale. Drysdale, I get a little bit more because of the, the lack of games that he's played before he got hurt. That is interesting. The, uh, the games and the Arbrights, uh, that happens in baseball a lot with service time where, uh, they hold guys in the minors before, you know, they should get called up. They're ready to get called up and they don't do it. Uh, this doesn't happen a lot in, in hockey because the situation has to be right. Um, Zegris is interesting. Uh, I, you know, I don't know him, but there seems to be a pushback all the time with the flashiness that he plays the game with. I don't really care because he's trying to win, but he's trying to win in a different way than older school players and people would look at. What difference does it make if he tries a pass from behind the net that doesn't connect or if he flips it over the top of the net and it doesn't Mm -hmm. connect? It's the same play. If it ends up in the net, it ends up in the net. If it gets intercepted, it gets intercepted. So there seems to be this this battle between style and production. And if I were Zegras, I'd, I'd be looking at Troy Terry's seven-year contract and say, wait a minute. Like, how does that not equal something different for me? So this right. is, but this is, this is a stage setting for Anaheim in both the near and longer term future, because what you do with Zegras, you might do with Leo Carlson in a couple of years down the road too. And um, they're at the just at the base of this rebuild. It, that's a that's a really interesting one. That mm. if it wasn't Anaheim, it wouldn't yeah. be so quiet. Like if it Agreed. was somewhere, if it was in Canada somewhere or in New York, or Ooh. man, that would that would be a, a far. It would have a far edgier note to it. Tim Horton's headlines, Ray. We've seen some bite in this preseason, which isn't unusual, yep. right? Because it is yep. the battle for your livelihood in certain situations. Sure. Case in point, Hayden Hodgson of the LA Kings with a big run on Mark Stone, who joined us uh, earlier in the week in episode one of the Rain Riggs podcast. It caused a dust up as you'd expect. Um, and before we get your reaction to that, and there's been other stuff in this preseason, let's hear from Mark Stone and his response to Hayden Hodgson's hit and attempt to maybe take him out? That's probably the last time I'll ever play against that guy. Uh, not really much of a player, so uh, leave it at that. I think I scared him a little, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> no, I honestly, I was looking around for you know some of their talented players and trying to run at them, and he was the only, really the only one. So uh, it's unfortunate you're playing against uh, you know, a team like that. They're trying to make a name for themselves, and you know, he was in preseason. The, Did Ray know, Clark respond to you during that little... Uh, interaction no it's done hey i mean i'm good with it a little spice but you know you and i in our preamble prior to recording you know also went back and forth on the hodson hit and and there have been others you know we saw student each hit pelche that was 
a bit more sketchy, right? But mm-hmm. Pelche looked yeah. like he turned at the last and second. And by the way, Pelche's out shoulder surgery now, yeah. which is... That- yeah, it sucks for them. Really unfortunate. Um, Cole Perfetti of the Winnipeg Jets was tagged in the neutral zone by Martin Pospisil of the of the Calgary Flames a bit late. Um, shoulder to the head. The Jets hated it. But let's go back to, to Mark Stone's reaction, a veteran mm-hmm. player, and the hit by Hayden Hodgson. I, I mean, what has he got, like six, seven games in the National Hockey League? Here's a guy that's trying to earn – a contract right. and, and he's, he, he's doing it by just whatever he can do to be mm-hmm. noticed. So no problem with that hit. I trust. Um, no, except I, I, I think Vegas would hate the hit and Mark Stone would hate the hit if it was in the middle of the season too. Yeah. They, they wouldn't yeah. have liked the play. Um, however, the fact that it's in September catches you a little bit unaware. You're just not quite sharp and ready. You know, you're trying to, trying to get yourself into, into some kind of game shape. I, um, you know, when he was talking about the, you know, scared him a little bit, that was in the scrum there. He grabbed Brant Clark and uh, <laughs> poor kid. I mean, he's probably like, look, I got nothing to do with this. I'm just... Please leave me alone. Um, and um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a, that's a tough one for Clark because all of a sudden you're in, you know, you're in a little bit over your head. When he said that he'll never play against Hodgson again, that is one of the standard lines um, <laughs> that that you say to a guy. Look, I'll, I'll never see you again. Beat it, scram. Um, one you probably you, used several times in preseason well, action that, during that, your career. <laughs> well, yeah, I heard this early in my career, and I used it later on. I if there was a scrum, I'd say to somebody, or, or it would get said certainly. Uh, get a picture in that jersey. It'll be the last time you're ever in it. <laughs> and uh, of course, you got to be careful who you say that because just because oh, yeah. a guy just because a guy hasn't played a lot in the NHL doesn't mean he can't no. knock the snot out of you either because he <laughs> can do that too. I this has always has been a battle or a balancing act and will always be, and that's guys that are trying to make an impact to get noticed because they, this is their dream. They want to get into the league too, and yeah. somebody that's been in the league or as a veteran, and they're like, beat it, scram. I just want to play. So I got a really good story, I think, about this. We're playing, I'm playing in L.A., and uh, we're playing an exhibition game against Colorado in Vegas. So I don't know what this would be, I guess, you know, mid to late 90s. And uh, Adam Vedmarsh is a young veteran, but he's certainly a veteran at this point. And we got this young kid running around, and he he wants to fight, you know, like he wants to make his presence felt and he keeps running into dead marsh and you know i know adam we're from the same area back home and and so he says to me he's like hey ray tell that guy to beat it like i'm just literally i'm just trying to get in shape man like what's he doing it was yeah. and it was early in the preseason drakes like one or two games in so i tell the kid at the end of the first period i'm like hey look just leave him alone he's just he's just playing and but if you're gonna fight him he's left-handed like just <laughs> just pro so tip you know. for you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I never would say that because I always thought like, what if I tell a guy he's left-handed and, and then the guy hits him with six rights yeah. you know, then I'm a Jack because I don't know anything about fighting. So anyways, early in the second period, he runs into him again, they fight and Adam hits him with about 33 lefts. I mean, it's not close. <laughs> Fair and warning. So, and so I go over and I dump his gloves in the box. You know, I'm like, I look over his, 
like his face looked like lumpy potatoes, right? Like you could tell where he got <laughs> where he got hit a couple of times. And as I'm leaving, Detter is yelling at me. He's like, "I told you!" And I'm like, "Well, what do you want me to do?" Like, I, it was like you know, a kid wanted to make his way, and it just didn't work out. <laughs> oh, that is outstanding. Um, so we have just enough time for two more <clears throat> quick headlines here. All right, uh, how much have you seen of Connor Bedard? I mean, I, you know, well, it's hard to miss lots. if you're watching the sports shows, right? You know, he's, he's from here. ESPN. Yeah, yeah, but he's from here, and so I've seen him since he was a little a little kid. Yeah, um, but yeah, amazing player. Amazing. How about that saucer <laughs> pass earlier this week? Like, I mean, okay, you're NHL players. You can make a saucer mm. pass. It's not the most difficult right. play on the planet. This one was like an alley oop. It was like five feet in the air. Like, well, this kid is just unbelievable. Yeah, but what was crazy about that game? So it was his first preseason game. Yeah, and um. His first assist, which was the first assist of the game, he makes a rush through the middle of the ice. At no point does he look like he's under any duress or stress. No. Like he's just like really comfortable. I'm I, I'm I'm kind of bouncing around. I like to take young players and compare them to players in the league. Yeah. So I can make a mental picture about what could they be like. And it's a good I, idea. I, he's built a lot like Crosby, but he doesn't play like Crosby. Like you know, Sid has more always been in the trenches and, you know, grind it out yeah. and with all his skill and stuff. He's been able to physically impose himself on other players and make the advantage like that. Bedard's more like, I think like Austin Matthews, he's not as big, but he's got that shot. He's got a, there's a little bit of elegance to the game, the way mm. he plays, you know, in the way that Matthews plays as well. Yeah. Um, and so, now I'm kind of like, oh, maybe he's a little bit like Matthews, but I, you know, I've seen him play in the NHL one game now. So, you know, like it, it's really cool for me to watch and go, where is this kid going to get to? Where's he going to be in five games or 10 games? And uh, I think I mentioned my first game of the year is in Pittsburgh. Um, uh, so we've got his, you know, his NHL debut. And so That's I'm awesome. really, really looking forward to seeing Connor get going. Okay. So, from one budding, developing, potential great player in Connor Bedard to two pretty established great superstars, and that's Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Um, apparently, Ray, they've elevated their commitment to winning. And, mm. you know, people are going to go, really? Thanks, Captain Obvious. You know, but, you know, you mm. would know this playing the game and being around great players, you know, over your career and what that means. And so I'm talking to people inside that organization who say, both arrived in camp with a chip on their shoulder. And, and they're probably not alone, but they're bona fide superstars. So they really, okay, they lose to Colorado two years ago. Mm, all right, you know, Colorado is a really good team. Edmonton wasn't quite ready. Pissed that they lost to the Vegas Golden Knights, even though Vegas went on to, to win that Stanley Cup. How motivating can that be? And in talking and doing some research around McVe uh, McDavid, Person deeply associated, I'm not going to mention his name because I don't, I don't want it to grab a headline away from our headlines here, said he's the best leader he's ever been around. Hmm. This is a non-player part of the staff. Um, and, and that can kind of define itself in different hmm. ways, not just how he leads on the hmm. ice, how he holds people accountable, both good and sometimes bad when you got to be tough. You know, the way he's managing hmm. things off the ice and all of that. So when I tell you all of that, 
what does that make you think of when you're thinking of McDavid and, and Dreisaitl going into a new year? Well, I think it's just, uh, well, a couple things. But one is that, so they lost to the Stanley Cup champion the last two years, right? Like, you're, it's not like they're losing to somebody and then somebody yeah. else gets blown out of the playoffs. So everybody that wins, it seems, at some point, they, they talk about that you have to build up this scar tissue. Yeah. And you can you can only learn about it by doing it. I mean, somebody can tell you the playoffs are hard. You mm-hmm. get in them and it's just a different world. And then you lose the first year and, you know, McDavid comes back, at, you know, has 150 points. Dreisaitl has another, you know, yeah. fantastic year. And then they lose to Vegas. If you go back to that series, the difference in the series really became that Vegas's goaltending was better than Edmonton's. Yeah. And if you look at the numbers in that series, had Stu Skinner, well, hey, Stu Skinner wasn't supposed to be in the net. That was supposed to be Jack Campbell. And Skinner right. took the net away from him and never gave it back. But that was his first kick at the can. If Skinner was a little bit more solid, maybe that series doesn't go the way it, it does. Skinner's a fantastic prospect. I, I think that kid's going to be really, really great. He was already good last year. I think he's going to be great. However, as, as to the leadership stuff for uh, McDavid in particular and then Dreisaitl, you can hold people accountable, but you have to remember, and, and I played with great players, that other people can't do what you can do. So you have to be a leader without making other people feel inferior. And I think that's really hard sometimes because these guys have a standard that other people just cannot get to. It's right. impossible. If he can find the balance, and of course we're not in the room, but if the, if you're the people that are talking to you were saying he's finding that balance, there is nothing but positivity for that mm. team because yes, you can pull the team along, but the other guys have to be able to feel that this is their team too. Yeah, and that's a that's an amazing asset that a leader can have, and the very best players, you know, Gretz had it. Mark Messier had it. Those are the era I'm talking about that, you know, I played with Mark in New York and I was amazed how everybody kind of just turned to him all the time. No matter what happens, everybody's going to turn to McDavid and go, what do we do next? Hmm. And if you've got a little bit of the road out, man, your team is, is going to continue to climb. Edmonton is really good. And that's going to be a beast, a beast of a Western conference. So they're going to need all of it. Agreed. All right, let's uh, wrap up Tim Horton's headlines with uh, just a heartfelt mention directed at the Snow family, right? Yes. Uh, I thought that Craig Conroy and the Calgary Flames did a wonderful job on Thursday acknowledging Chris's latest battle. Um, But just a remarkable man, Chris Snow, remarkable family, the strength of Kelsey, Chris's wife, the mother of their children, in, in keeping us all up to date on how things are progressing and knowing that the end is near, right? But the legacy of Chris Snow clearly, and Kelsey, by the way, will be of the work that they've done um, in association with ALS and and the battle. And the fact that, you know, the man is on life support, but he's on life support so he can donate his organs. Uh, Mm. I I mean, I, I don't know where to go with this other than, I'm just so thrilled at how Conroy, the Calgary Flames, the National Hockey League, 
and everyone associated with this story have followed it and shared it from the beginning to as we approach now the near end. Well, we had <clears throat> we had Kelsey and and um, and Chris on the podcast uh, and a couple of years ago, and yeah, it, it, it was really remarkable to watch them. Um, I met them at the at the Stanley Cup final in Tampa a couple of years ago when Colorado was there, and like Chris's enthusiasm to talk about the game and Kelsey's personality, which is you know is <laughs> it's just like energy and it was just amazing to watch them and how many people came over and knew them because of their um the way that they publicly went through Chris's diagnosis and and struggles in life and and his victories in life like yeah. watching him you know losing the the ability to move his right hand and mowing the lawn <laughs> left-handed and playing catch with Cohen left-handed and yeah. like and then learning to do something else and uh, it's just it was inspirational sad remarkable uh, like all of it and um man i just i just wish i wish all the best uh to them mm. um and chris's legacy will will not and chris's memory will not go away it will be something that calgary will recognize and the hockey world will and should recognize he was mm. a Anybody you talk to says he was a, a remarkable person and was on a career path that would have changed the way, you know, people might have looked at at where he was going to end up. He was going to be right. a general manager mm. at one time. And then that just wasn't to be. And uh, just sad, sad yeah. to them. And, um, you know, and just the best to Kelsey and the kids. Yes. God bless and Godspeed, Chris. Our interviews on Ray and Dregs is here brought to us by Canadian Club Whiskey, introducing the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, CC 15-year-old Sherry Casgrave, signature CC Classic 12-year-old whiskey. It's finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Casks. All the hallmarks of classic Canadian Club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. They're putting the pressure on us right now is what they're doing because, hey, we're, we're a one guest per week podcast. That's what we mm -hmm. do, right? But with everything they've got going on with the invitation series, I mean, we had Mark Stone earlier this week. Next week, we're mm -hmm. going to have to, we're going to have to come up with someone big just in association with Canadian Club. I think that, I think that really falls, as you know, on your plate. It kind of does. It does. Ask Ray and Dregs anything. Fire your questions our way on Twitter and Instagram at Ray and Riggs, or on the website, rayandriggs.com. We've got a couple of long-time listeners, Ray. We're going to start with a day one listener, okay? David Michael Plant, who says, point system in the NHL, point of contention since the shootout was introduced. David says, I know that Ray likes the idea of a three-point system, but David is suggesting a two-point option where zero points for a shootout loss, maybe one point, for the shootout winner. He thinks it would amplify pressure to get the job done in overtime. You buying it? Well, I've never, I've never thought of it in that way, but <laughs> the, uh, the chances of teams having zero points is 
not going to happen. Not gonna like happen. for like once it gets past overtime, like or it goes to overtime, no chance. Um, I know the. Well, I don't know this. Apparently, the numbers don't ch- or the positions in the standings don't change very much. If you have a three-point win, they've done that. Or, they've done that work. Yeah, they've done that exercise before. Yeah. I just, I think the game should all matter the same. The same number of points should be awarded in every game. That's that, that's just the way, the way I I feel. I think it's kind of silly that it doesn't. Um, but it doesn't seem to be any appetite to change it. No, no. I'd be okay with two points for a win, zero points for a loss, no matter how you lose. You lose in the shootout, you don't get a point. You lose in overtime, you don't get a point. Winning team gets two, everybody moves on. But to your point, you know, without having the numbers in front of us, they've done those exercises, and it really doesn't, doesn't play itself out. All right, since we're talking numbers, we don't do this often on the podcast. Here's one from Jim Doucette in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, thoughts on advanced analytics being used or not used for roster construction with the preseason going on. So for instance, players on PTOs, professional tryouts for those listening who don't know, being judged primarily by analytics or is it just the good old eye test to determine who or who doesn't make the final roster? Do you know what matters in a PTO more than anything? And you know this, Dregs, is their contract. Right. Is that they don't have one? Can yeah. they fit them in? Yeah. Um, they're looking at these players um, that come in on a PTO on a in a specific spot. Yeah. Like, can they make our team in that spot? So you don't need analytics when you're looking at one spot on one team. Yeah. Now that's for somebody. That's for the analytics might help as you look at maybe if you're looking to pick somebody up on waivers or something, but if I'm looking at Darren Drager as my third line right winger, can he fit in that spot? I'm just looking at the other guys on my roster and I'm looking at you and going, are you better than him? And can I fit your money, whatever it's going to be in our roster? Right. It be That's the, that's the easiest spot. Mm. I mean, like you already know the player because you brought them in. You know, you just need to see if they fit in a in that spot. All right, a couple more real quick ones and ask Green Driggs anything. AJ Anthony asking, should there be an award for the player who has the most assists in a season? And, of course, we would call it the Wayne Gretzky Award. It's been kicked around by media, mm-hmm. and NHL head office has responded to it. I mean, I think the answer to it is yes. There should be an award for this. No different than renaming the existing awards. The league is reluctant because of the history of the individuals on the trophies and whatnot. But what do you think? Should there be an individual award for most assists? Yes. And and I do think the award should be renamed. And the the current award should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So those uh, original names are always honored and always remembered. And uh, the new trophies should be named with players and builders that are that are significant to today's game like what what's wrong with updating nothing there there's nothing like to me you're 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 hanging on to a dusty old sweater yeah. that you don't want to throw away and so but you're not throwing it away you're putting the art ross trophy in the hall of fame and it's the art ross trophy and the new trophy by the way is going to look exactly the same 
but it's going to be called the Mario Lemieux trophy. Or if you've got the Gretzky assist trophy, that's the yeah. Gretzky. Like the Norris trophy, put it in the Hall of Fame and name it the Bobby Orr trophy. Yeah. Like that, like that to me is, is just a way to modernize that people can connect a little better. Nobody knows or really understands what the significant contributions were of these older trophies. Put them in the Hall of Fame, have a plaque so people can read it, and then have the, the new trophies. But nobody's asking me, but I just offered anyway. <laughs> All right, last one from Clinton, Central Alberta, who's also an avid Ray and Dregs listener. So thanks, Clint. Appreciate it. Yep. This one is a no-brainer for me, but I'm curious to hear what your response is. Playing around a golf. Clint is playing around a golf by himself. So automatically, I got a red flag on this play. Yeah. I just, yeah, I don't, I, I, I mean, I have a, at the Cabbage, I've got a par three, 18 hole executive, really nice little course. Uh, the first tee is maybe a thousand yards from my, my cabin. Um, do I, I've gone out there. I played three holes. I played six. That's different. That's practice. That's not yeah. actually playing the round. So Clint says 154 yard par three. You know where this is going, right? First yeah. shot. Hits it into the water. So what does he do? Tees up a provisional. Of course he would. Yep. Hits the perfect shot. Two bounces, rolls into the cup. Nice par. Hole in one for lore or an incredible par save? Par. It's a par save. It's a par. It's not a hole in one. No. It's no. not. And the fact that you're by yourself, unfortunately, is going to lend itself to some question. Mm-hmm about it like i it would be bad it's a bad break i mean yeah. like so that, me and kim jong-un or whatever there we had what do you have 18 hole in ones or something <laughs> or but here's what i'm thinking and i've done this too on the part like if you're playing uh by yourself and again i'm practicing when i'm doing this <clears throat> uh i will play two balls but i'm playing two balls right so darren dreger player one hits it in the water Darren Dreger, player two, in practice, hits it into the hole from 154 yards. It's still not a hole in one because you're practicing, right? Yeah, and so. the two ball thing, like I've done that too. Nothing counts when you're no, you're just nothing. out there hitting the ball and getting a walk around. Like it's there's nothing counts. <laughs> so Clint, thanks for listening. Nice par. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, all right, we're going to wrap up the podcast, Ray, episode two of Ray and Dregs. What a week it's been. But uh, as you said right off the top, you're golfing. Final round. Well, it's not your final round, but it's the final round of your routine golf because you'll probably oh, play this once might or be, twice. Uh, this might be it, actually. Might be once it, I, it. So I just looked the other day. In, in October, I've got 10 flights. Oh. And, you know, once, once the games start, you know, there's just, there's no time. And what we got a really cool thing at the course I play at, like a few years ago, they covered all the driving range. Yeah. So it's got, uh, you know, it's got, uh, stalls, it's got heaters in it. Oh, nice. And so, you know, you, I'll go and hit balls once a week because it's just a mental cleanse. Yeah. And, and I don't have to worry about the weather because once it starts raining here, it doesn't stop till March. So, you know, <laughs> like I, you know, I, I do, I do like that. So I won't put my clubs away, you know, but I'll just go and hit the balls at the range and, but I won't play anymore. Nice. Well, enjoy so it. Better, it. It better, it better end good. 
Otherwise, yeah. you know, they, they, what are you going to do? But what do you got? What do you got on the weekend? You know, it's busy. Yeah. Friday, Saturday, we've got preseason Toronto Maple Leaf stuff. Uh, Sunday is always designated for football. I like watching football. And obviously, you've got the Ryder Cup going on this weekend. <laughs> there might um, not be much to watch by no, then. Oh, it looks that way. Uh, and then celebrating a good buddy's 60th birthday, we're going to Wooden Sticks on. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, on Monday. So that could be my final round of golf as yep. well. So, all right, buddy. Good week. Uh, Have a great week. Thank you. Yep. Great, great through the first week. Thanks for listening, everybody. And um, uh, we'll be back with a guest in uh, week two. Mm-hmm. And uh, hope everybody has a good weekend. Thanks for listening. Yes. And thank you to our sponsors who continue to support Ray and Regs and make the podcast possible. Our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. And Tim Hortons, and as always, as Ray mentions, thanks to you for listening, rating, sharing the podcast, and for following us, which is important, on the Ray and Dregs YouTube channel. That is episode two of Ray and Dregs. Until next time, stay safe, everybody. Mm-hmm.